Good morning. Um, I'm excited to get us into the Word of God today. We are busy with a series called From a Trickle to a Flood, which is a study through chapter 47 um, of the, the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel being one of the prophets of God, and God shares with him an incredible vision about the temple, and this stretches over a whole lot of chapters, starting in chapter 40, where he's, God speaks to him about this new temple, and then it continues out of, out of that into Ezekiel 43, where the glory of God fills this temple, and then consequently, there's this new restored worship in the temple of God. And then in chapter 47, we see an upside-down picture different to what we are used to about a river of God flowing from the temple instead of coming to the temple. And the whole idea that the presence of God, the power of God, the, the water of His Word, the Holy Spirit is not meant to be within the confounds of a bold place. It's meant to go from there into the world. It's the whole incredible vision of Ezekiel 47 that this river of God flows out. Now throughout the world, if you... If you but look a little bit into the idea of religion and worship, it seems that the human tries to build places for God to come and dwell. Build places of meeting, places of encounter, places of worship. And uh, I've had the privilege to see some incredible temples um, across the world, some of them being in India. To me personally, they're not that beautiful, but to the Indian people, they are incredibly beautiful and a lot of artistry and effort being put into it. And then you can go across to Europe where I've just been... Uh, been to see uh, the Sacre Coeur, which is one of the, the most beautiful I've ever seen buildings on a little hill in Paris overlooking the whole city and all the artistry involved to build this cathedral as a means to, to house God, to, to keep God there or to go and meet God in this place. So it's a human condition around the world that we can establish a place that we can call the temple of God, or the temple of meeting, or the place of meeting. And in Ezekiel 47, God takes Ezekiel and consequently us and says, the temple that I'm building, the temple that I'm establishing, is not about coming into to meet and gather and, and have, have, an, have a moment of encounter with me, but it's to go from. It's inside of there that my spirit and my living water dwells, but then it becomes a river and the further it moves away from that temple, it increases in beauty. The whole idea that the beauty doesn't exist inside of the temple, but the true beauty is found outside. Where from the temple, it brings a life into the world. And we're going to see that again as we read together chapter 47. Now, last week, Roger did a great job at kicking us off with speaking about vision and saying, Son of man, do you see this? Quite interesting question to ask to Ezekiel, who is in the midst of the vision, he says, do you actually see this? It made me think just about our own walk as Christians or followers of Jesus. We can be in the midst of the most incredible vision of what God is doing around the world, and we can miss it. We could be so filled up with our ideas of what it is to be a Christian, or we could just be busy with everything else out there that we miss what God is doing. So when that question is asked, do you see this, I believe this is going to be a question to all of us throughout the next weeks as we look at this, this chapter. Do we actually see what God is busy with across the earth? Do we actually see how God sees us? Do we actually see what He wants to do into the nations and into society and what this river of God is meant to achieve? Or is it just a nice sermon to listen to 
And I pray this morning that eyes would be opened. As we open up the word, that our spiritual eyes will be opened so that we can actually see the vision that God has put before us as his children. Now, where do we find this new temple, which is different than the previous ones that the Jewish people built for the glory of God? And that new temple is found in this room. I want you to take a moment to look at your hands, look at your arms, look at your feet, and then take a moment to look at the person next to you. Okay, see the person next to you? You have just behold or beheld the temple of God. You are the temple of God. That's why it says in 1 Corinthians 3.16, do you not know you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? That means you don't have to go to Paris to the Sacre Coeur and, and climb a thousand steps to get to the top to a building to behold the temple of God. You can just look at yourself in the mirror and you can look right next door and you will see the temple of God in its fullness and its existence. It's Jesus coming to this world and saying, I want to make my place within your life. And from there will the river of God flow. It's the whole idea that we see in the New Covenant and the New Testament that God does not dwell in a house built by the hands of man. He never intended to. In the Old Covenant, He did to bring an idea of His presence to us. But since the cross and since what Jesus has done, we have become the temple of God as individuals and corporately. So Ezekiel 47 describes this new temple which His church is, which each one of us have a part to play in and open up our lives so that the river of God can turn from a trickle into a flood. It is you and me, and that is God's plan. So let's read with that as a backdrop, again, Ezekiel 47, with the understanding that the temple of God is not a place on a hill that looks all pretty on the outside, but the temple of God is found right in your daily walk. It's in you, and it's in those who are followers of Jesus Christ. So with that idea, let's read again Ezekiel 47, verse 1 to 12. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple toward the east. For the temple faced east. The water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. Then he brought me out by the way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gate that faces towards the east. And behold, the water was trickling out on the south side. Going on eastward with a measuring line in his hand, the man measured a thousand cubits. And then he led me through the water and it was ankle deep. Again he measured a thousand and led me through the water and it was knee deep. Again he measured a thousand and led me through the water and it was waist deep. Again he measured a thousand and it was a river that I could not pass through, for the river had risen. It was deep enough for me to swim in, a river that could not be passed through. And he said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river as I went back, I saw on the bank of the river very many trees on the one side and on the other. And he said to me, this water flows towards the eastern region and goes down into the Arava and enters the sea. When the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. And wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live. And there will be very many fish. For this water goes there that the waters of the sea may become fresh. So everything will live 
where the river goes. Fishermen will stand beside the sea from Engedi to England. It will be a place for the spreading of nets. Its fish will be of very many kinds, like the fish of the great sea. But its swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They are to be left for salt. And on the banks, on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month, because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food, and their leaves for healing. Lord Jesus, I pray this morning as we study your word that you would reveal to us this idea again of us being the temple of the Holy Spirit, and how within us, Lord, you have placed your living waters, and how, Lord, if we allow our lives to open up, you can take the trickle of living water that we have, and you can turn it into a flood. And I pray this morning that each one of us would hear how you speak to us through your Holy Spirit, so that we can join into the depth of the river of God that you have for us, and that our lives too can tell the story of life and fruit and food that comes from the river of God, from the insides of us. And we trust you for that in Jesus' name. We all say, amen. Last week we spoke about vision. Do you see that there's a river of God wanting to go into the world? And this morning I want to speak about sacrifice. Now let me ask you a question. Does anyone like that word? It's just you're an honest bunch. There's half a hand there. That's great. Um, but sacrifice is a word that we don't like to say much, right? Uh, we use it for various terms. You know, I'll sacrifice some of my time to do what I'd like to do in order to do something that I must do. Or sacrifice is the idea of, you know what, it's really uh, nice to have all of this food for myself that I'm going to share with someone else or whatever it is. But sacrifice could also raise some other ideas of, of actually physical sacrifices being made. But the dictionary makes sacrifice plain and easy. It says, the act of giving up something that you want to keep in order to get or do something else. So it's the idea of letting something go in order to gain something else. That's the word sacrifice. And we see here with the river of God that it doesn't stay in the temple. It doesn't stay in the sanctuary of this place where the glory of God has come and descended. It doesn't stay there. It gives that up in order that it might get something else. The key scripture there is for us this morning is that the water flows out of the temple towards the eastern region and go down into the Arabah and enters the sea. When the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. And wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live. We see this trickle starting in the temple and gushing from underneath the, the temple door. And then it flows. And the Bible gives us the very direction it flows into the Arabah and into the sea. Now, when you go and study the map of the Jordan Valley where the Arabah is, you would see that it's a wilderness place and it's a dry desert. It's a place that no human being would preferably choose to live where there's not a lot of life because it's dry. And because of the eastward flow through the Arabah, the sea that it speaks about is not the Great Sea, which is also mentioned on the west side, or the Mediterranean Sea as we know it today. It's speaking about the Dead Sea. 
So the river of God is, is giving up the place of the temple, of the sanctuary of God, of, of the, the, the glory of God. Then it starts moving to the wilderness, dry desert places, and to the dead place, the dead sea. So the idea of sacrifice is giving that up, which we so love. Maybe it's in community or coming to church, or maybe it's in that own place of meeting Jesus, which is the sanctuary where all of it flows from. But then we've got to say, are we willing to go into the dry and dead places so that the river of God can effectuate life in those places again? That's the sacrifice I'm talking about this morning. In light of what Jesus has done, it's nothing. Ephesians 2, sorry, Philippians 2 says that he didn't count equality of God something to be grasped, but he became a servant. He gave up the best. If you think this temple has been amazing, you should be reminded of what Jesus gave up in heaven. His deity, the fullness, his command, all of heaven he's given up to become a servant, to sacrifice, to give up something in order to gain something else. What did he gain? He gained us. He loved us enough to come and get us out of the dry and dead places that we have lived in. So the idea of sacrifice is found in Jesus. And when he calls us as the church to become the river of God, he just reminds us of exactly what he has done. The whole idea of sacrifice is giving up the temple space to get to the dry and dead places. Maybe the temple space represents for you Christian community. Maybe the temple space represents for you a place of experiencing Him. Maybe it represents to you today a place of safety, a place of fullness. And all those things are right and good, and it is the gift of God, and we'll see what Jesus thinks about that in a minute. But then if it stays in the temple, it will remain a trickle. If we want to see the flood, it's got to go to the dry and dead places. I want to ask a question. When last did you remember your Arabah or Dead Sea? When last did you think about when you were in a dry place in your own life? Where someone had to come with the river of God and bring that life to you? Or maybe you've been in the Dead Sea, you haven't met Jesus yet, and someone came with the river of God, the life, the living water, the Holy Spirit, the very presence of God, and moved into your life and said, hey, let me introduce you to Jesus. See, we can become puffed up and stuck in our own Christian world so much so that we forget that once we too lived in the Arabah or in the dead places. And because the river of God has come through someone else, has come through a temple of God that brought it into our lives, we're sitting here today and we get to benefit of the fullness that Christ has for each one of us. I had the privilege to be in Europe, as I shared, a couple of weeks ago, and I'm in a house with two families who just moved their lives from South Africa into the Netherlands. And I was humbled to sit with them and, and speak to them about their journey there. And what really hit me is that both families have got two kids. Both families have got kids under the age of one that's still on the hip of the mom. And kids are busy, as you know. And then there's an older brother in both families. But never did they use this idea when they spoke about their calling or what they're doing there about having to give up something, having to sacrifice South Africa. 
having to sacrifice something back home. They were just so convinced that the river of God dwells in them that they would take their own families and babies and move to a foreign nation where they know no person and put themselves there and say, the river of God run into the dry and dead nation of the Netherlands where 90% of people don't either believe or are agnostic or atheist. No sentiment of, I had to give up so much. It challenged my heart. My narrative of everything I've got to give up in order to follow Jesus and bring change into this world. Again, in a lot of what he's done, it's nothing. Freely you have received, so freely give. Take that which you have given to the inside of you and let it run out into the world. And I'm not saying that it means that all of us get into the plane and go to a place elsewhere in Europe. But where are the desert lands and the dry places and the dead places in this society where you live that you can open up and let the river of God flow? Maybe you've become a little bit bored with your Christian walk. It might just be that you're just living on the trickle in that place of just meeting and reading and singing or whatever it is for you. Maybe you have not got into the river of God and jumped into the flood. It is clear that according to this vision, that the flood happens on the outside, further away from the temple. And I want to share this to you, with you this morning in a means of an illustration. So, I've got a bit of a water cannon here. And if I, if I give it a bit of a, a stir, then I, I've got some water trickling out up front. Do you guys see it? There's some water dripping. Now, I can keep doing this, and all that's going to happen is we'll just have more water trickling out the front. But then, if I put a conduit... In front of this and attach it to this water supply and I add some air to it then I have the ability to start shooting a very specific directed line of water right you guys see this so up until now it's just a trickle it's just running down but adding a conduit to it allows for it to be directed to the dry places like Henry this morning no no I'm just joking <laughs> Did you hear that? <laughs> with a man with a deep voice like that, that's very impressive. <laughs> was it not you? It was him. Well done, Andre. <laughs> so the conduit allows for the water to be directed. Otherwise, it just remains a trickle. You see, there it is. But the moment I apply the conduit, then it starts, if I give it a little bit more pressure, it starts going towards Ricky's direction, and I'm aiming it. But now, what we do is, or like to do sometimes is we put a little bit of a, a personal container in front of this water supply. And we just love what God does for us and what the gospel is all about. And I want more of that. And I want another prayer moment. And I need another someone to bless me. And I want to listen to another message. And I want to sing another song. And I, you know what? This is great. I just want more of this. And then we become another container, like the temple of old, to contain something which is not meant to just be contained, but be directed. Now, I'm going to come and walk amongst you with this bomb until it explodes. But here's, here's what's going to happen at some point. Either this little balloon up front is going to explode, and then what happens to the water? It goes to waste. It's just around its perimeter, there'll be some wet spaces, but it's not directed. It's just... It goes to waste. Or you could take it off and you can turn it into a little weapon. 
And maybe this is what religion has done throughout human history. We can contain it and have it for ourselves and be the ones on the inside who get. And we become a weapon to the rest of the world, which has caused wars across the world and have hurt so many people. Because God never intended His water and His life to only flow into us. He intended for us to be flowing through us. So the question this morning, are you a container or a conduit? Are you just on the receiving end? Being puffed up, being filled up more, more, more? Or are you actually in a place where you say, God, thank you for what you've done. Now I'm ready to let it share. You see, the privilege of being a conduit is you're always wet. You are always in contact with this river that's flowing. It's always running through you, but it's also touching others. Jesus said this. This idea is not Pierre's. It's Jesus' idea. John 7, 38. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. Rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Twofold. Come to me. I want to give you water of life. I want you to drink. I want you to be filled up. I want you to experience me. I want you to drink from the wellspring, the fountain of life that I am. But don't just drink. Let it flow. Let a river flow from that drinking into the world and let the river of God go into the dry and the dead places to bring the kingdom. It's the message and the invitation to each one of us. So are we getting fat or are we letting flow? Are we letting God flow through us? And according to Ezekiel 47, it is really clear that the, the, the river of God, the water of His Spirit, the presence, the living water, the Word is not just meant to be contained. It's meant to be directed. You were designed to let the living waters of God flow through you. Not just the people up front who's ministering on a Sunday morning, not just the band who's leading the songs, not just the people who's leading life group. Each one of you are the temple of God and each one of you contains the fullness of His Spirit that can run through you and effectuate His kingdom in this world. Do you get it this morning? Isn't that exciting? You don't have to go to a meeting place to feel it. It's right available to you through His Holy Spirit. We sometimes still have this old covenant idea of the Holy Spirit that is somewhere off there, and then eventually He will come and just meet us where He's inside of you. The only thing that changes is we become more aware of Him in our times of worship, but He's fully inside. He's completely living inside of you. And you contain that river, but you've got to let it flow, and you've got to be a conduit into the dry and dead places. So three things I want to share this morning to start talking practically about what it looks like. The first idea is that the river deepens with distance. Again, He measured a thousand and it was a river that I could not pass through for the water had risen. This man who took the, Ezekiel through the vision, which is explained to us in a way that Jesus has also explained in Revelation. So the idea that Jesus is taking Ezekiel through this vision is measuring a thousand cubits every time. And the further he goes away from the temple, the deeper the river gets. It's not inside the meeting place, but it's outside far away that we find the depth of this river. And what's amazing is how Ezekiel 47 ends. It goes in that the water flows from the sanctuary, always reminded that our source is in that meeting place. But the depth and the full effect of the river is far away. 
And here's something that, that I love about this, this story is that the man who took Ezekiel through the vision was the one measuring out the length. He didn't give the tape to Ezekiel and say, hey, measure out some distance that you'd like to go. No, he was the one with the measuring rod and he said, I'm going to measure the distance. And then Ezekiel just had to walk in this river. And then he measures another thousand and another thousand. And you know what we do is we come to God and we're like, God, I'll measure out my distance. I'm willing to go this far with you. I'm willing to go this far into community. I'm willing to give this. I'm willing to give up that. Maybe I'll pray for that nation once every six months. Maybe I'll share a little bit where there's no animosity and people are really open. Can God be the one that determines the measure? Can he be the one that comes to us and say, I'm going to measure the full effect of the river that I want to see flowing out of your life. Can we give the measuring tape back to him? See, the flip side of the coin is also that some people might have a longer measuring tape than what God has. And they might measure 15,000 cubits. Might also be the case. But we've got to see here that he is the one to put the measure in place. He is the one to determine where we've got to walk and sacrifice. And I want to link this idea for a moment with Psalm 23. Now, when I say Psalm 23, what do you see? Green pastures, right? Do you see some fluffy sheep? Maybe some of you see lamb chops on a braai. <laughs> Sorry, uh, vegetarians, I do apologize for that joke. But Psalm 23 is one of the most known pieces of scripture, and I think the default idea is just this fluffy sheep and a shepherd and some beautiful green pastures. But Psalm 23 doesn't only exist in the green pastures, it also speaks about the righteous paths. So let's read together. Psalm 23, the second part. He leads me into paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of of my enemies. What happens in Psalm 23, it speaks about the sanctuary, the meeting place, the restoring of our souls, the green pastures, the drinking of the fountain of life. But then the shepherd doesn't keep the sheep there. He then leads them through righteous paths. He then takes them away from that place where they were drinking and he moves them through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, for most of us, it's a very personal application. Even though I go through facing death and trials and difficulties, he will comfort me. But the valley of the shadow of death are the dead and dry places of society where people need to hear about the green pastures that's available, where people need to drink from the very fountain of life that we have just drunk from. The valley of shadow of death is where billions of people across the world are still resting so dare we not just apply it to ourselves, but may we be a church that says, from drinking from the river, we will go and take the river to the valley that needs it. To the Arabah and the Dead Sea. That's what we will do, because we have that river, and our souls are restored in Jesus. We will not contain it, we will direct it to those places. Luke chapter 7, excuse me, Luke chapter 9. It's the moment of transfiguration where Jesus is up on the mountain with some of his disciples and he's transfigured in their sight and the full deity of God is seen upon him and 
the heavens open, and all of a sudden Moses and Elijah pitches up as well in this moment of Jesus being glorified as God. What does Peter do? He says, this is great to be here. This is a green pastures moment. This is encounter with the glory and the power of God moment. Let's put up some tents because I'd like to just stay here. This is good. This is good enough. What does Jesus do? He said the next moment he let them down the mountain and the very first thing that they faced was the shadow of evil and death. The dad comes to Jesus and says, my boy has been demon possessed. Would you set him free? And Jesus released that boy from the demon and liberates him. Jesus didn't say, you know what, Peter? That's a great idea. Let's just linger a little longer and camp here. Now I'm going to take you down the mountain to show you what this is meant for. This moment of encounter, this moment of my glory is meant to go to the places where it's going to liberate people and set people free. Let's not camp at the sanctuary. Let's not camp at the temple of meeting, but let the river of God deepen the further we take it away from ourselves into the world. The second idea I want to share this morning from this scripture in light of sacrifice is that the river refreshes the dry places. Wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live, and there will be very many fish. Now, I've seen some places of worship across the world where all the beauty and effort that's been put in, into it has, has even created these gardens around it, and there's life, and there's, there's birds, and there's, there's fullness. But in this image, it's clear that the animal life and the fish and the birds is not around the temple. It happens in the dry places where this river is deepened that all of a sudden life comes. And this dry desert land is turned into a paradise. And that's what happens when we start living the river of God towards the outside in the dry places of society. Dry places of society like our workplace, like our schools, like our families, missions, going on a trip to go and reach someone with the love of Jesus, the dry places of Kailicha, which we are now working into, and Zola, and our own community is desperate for the river of God to come. You might experience some of that in your own home, with your own kids, and that life that Jesus has, and the fullness of it. But if you want to experience even more, let the river run to the dry places in society around you. Let it be going to those who are thirsty, who's been waiting for a drink from the river of Jesus. I want to compare this quickly to the story of the woman in the well in John chapter 4. You know the story. She's just going about her everyday normal life. She's thirsty. She needs water. She goes out of the town to the well, just going about normal life, drawing up some water. And what does Jesus do? He walks in with the river of God. And he gives to her the water, makes you never thirst again in your soul. And then let's see what this lady did. So the woman left her water jar, her physical need, and went away into the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. How do we take the river of God to the dry places of society? In your everyday, ordinary moments. In the water drinking because I'm thirsty moments. That's what Jesus did. 
he used an everyday ordinary moment of a person getting water to drink and he changed it into an opportunity to let the river of God run. And not only does it change her life, but then she's so affected by it that she runs into the town and says, come, I've got to show you I found the river of life. You've got to come and drink with me. This is amazing. You've got to come and taste this. And she becomes the first evangelist ever to take people so quickly to Jesus in an immediate action. When was the last time you ran with such urgency that you would leave your physical needs to go and get those who need to hear about the river of life, like this woman? That you would just for a moment forget about you being thirsty and that very thing that you get to experience every Sunday here, that very thing that you get to experience every time you open up a Bible because you actually have a copy of the Bible, that very thing that you experienced when you sing and worship, when was the last time that you were so affected by it that you could not wait to run and take it to the dry places? Have you been looking at our society and our surrounds as a dry place, a town ready to let the river of God come? That's what he is calling us to, to not keep it to ourselves and contain it and become a bigger balloon filled with more water, but to be a conduit that takes it to the dry places in our society. And then lastly, this river revives the dead places. It says it enters the sea, and when the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. This water runs into what we know today as the Dead Sea, but just interestingly enough, when you study the original language in the Bible, the Bible never refers to the Dead Sea as the Dead Sea. It refers to the Sea of Arava or the Salt Sea because of the saline levels that exist in the Dead Sea. Also, the Dead Sea being the lowest place on earth, below sea level. I don't know if you know that. Maybe some of you have actually gone to see it. But why is it called the Dead Sea today? Because nothing can live within those waters. The saline levels are too high. But then, against all scientific reason, against all natural reason, against everything that we could understand, this river of God goes to that dead place and it turns the water into life. So much so that all kinds of fish is living there. That would be Neil's absolute favorite place in the world to go fish. It's where the river of God has gone. Imagine going up to Neil and saying, hey, Neil, let's go fishing. He's like ready, and he gets his, his rod and his stuff, and he says, okay, where are we going? And say, we're going to the Dead Sea. He would laugh at me and say, why on earth, Pierre? There's nothing to catch there. Can we just go west to the Great Sea, the Mediterranean? We'll find much more in that sea. But God says, don't be confounded by scientific reason. Don't be confounded by what you see in the natural. Let my river run to those places which you and the world has written off as dead. Because there I can bring life again. And not just simple, trickling life, so much life that swarms of fish will live in this place. That's what he's called his church to. This is a living sea space for us every Sunday. This is a green pasture. This is a temple of meeting. This is a sanctuary. But goodness, can we live in such a way that we actually take it to the dead places too? Maybe there's some family members that you've written off, some co-workers, some places of society. They're like, why would we even try to bring the kingdom there? It's just impossible. And we have pulled out our measure. We said, God, the Dead Sea, 
why? It's just, it's not going to happen. And he gives us this vision to say, you don't limit what I can do. I cannot be stopped. If you let the river of God run through your life, you will see miraculous things happen. Miraculous things. But we've got to be willing to go the distance. See, revival is locked up in going the distance. It's not locked up in another extended three-hour worship service. Revival means to see that which is dead come alive. And if we want to see that which is dead come alive, we've got to start living as temples that open up the doors and say, Jesus, thank you. I've been drinking from the river of life, but now I'm just not going to keep it for myself. I'm going to let it run wild into the dry and dead places around me. I'm going to use everyday ordinary moments like Jesus did where people are just drinking water at the water cooler at work. There's a little bit of conversation and not just tell a joke and celebrate the spring box, but actually say, hey, how are you doing? Is this something I can pray for? You've been on my heart. You know what? I've got a big pizza. I can actually do it a little bit less. Would you want to take half? Why would you do this to me? Well, I don't know. I'm just, I want to love on you because Jesus loves me and I've got more than enough. You know what? I might just once sacrifice a dinner at a restaurant so that a family can eat. Sure, Pierre, you're challenging us now. So what? I don't care this morning. The river of God is wanting to run into the dry and dead places. And I, for one, is going to make sure that we as a people will not contain it here, but we will take it into the world. We will take it to the Kailichas. We will take it to the Zolas. We will take it to Europe. We will be a people that says, God, let it run wild. Because we want the depth. I don't just want the trickle. I don't just want the little bit. I want the fullness of that which you have for me. I've got a question for you this morning. Where can you go? Not where can we go, waiting for the next Zola service before we actually go, or the next outreach mission before you sign up. Where can you go today? Where can you go this week? You have the ability to reach places that the staff and full-time ministry team never can. See, this is our gathering moment as a church, but then we scatter throughout the week into all dry and dead places of society where the river of God wants to run and change things around. So this morning, that's the question I want to leave you with, but we're not just going to leave it at a question. We're going to create a little moment for you to wait on the voice of Holy Spirit to speak to you and maybe show you a face of an individual or a colleague or a place at work. I believe this morning, even another nation. I had someone come up to me after the first service and say, there's a nation on my heart. I'm like, praise Jesus. I don't want to tell you where you should go. I want the very source of the river of God to show you where this river is flowing, that he's placed in you. And Brian is going to sing a song and all we're going to do is I actually want you to take out a means to make a note. If it's your phone, it's great. Please don't read your WhatsApps. Open up your notes. Or if it's a pen and paper, even better. But I want you to write down what the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you about in the next few moments, because I believe He will. You might just know about a family member that's in a dry and dead place, and you've got to just love on them a little. 
Maybe there's a family next door. Maybe you've been passing a man on the street and he's hungry. And you pass him often, like the beggar at the beautiful gate. But you just got to stop for once and say, silver and gold I don't have. I'm not going to give you, in the name of Jesus Christ, I'm going to love you. See, each one of us has got our places. And if you want to experience the depth of the river, go far. Go beyond that which is comfortable. And again, this idea of sacrifice. Are you willing to give up something that you'd like to keep in order to get something else or to do something else? And what is that something else? It's that you are the temple that brings the kingdom of God into the world. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would speak to every heart here this morning. Right now, Lord, I ask that your Holy Spirit would move upon us, move inside of us, that you would show us people's faces, family members, colleagues, nations, opportunities. Lord, that you would show us our bank accounts and what we can do with it to bring your kingdom. That you would show us, Lord, what there is that we've been holding on to because it's so precious to us that maybe, Lord, you just want to use for the river of God to come to the dry and dead places. Thank you, Lord, that within this room is a mission force of temples that can take the river of God to every dry place in society. So speak to us this morning, each one of us, Lord. May we hear your voice and where we can go and live out this message into our world. Thank you, Lord. Spend some time with him. Be encouraged by the words of this song. And then we'll conclude our morning together. Amen. I'm yours until the end And I will go
Oh. 